Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire Church. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. He has risen, amen? He has risen. It's so good. It's so good to see all your faces. I see my family. Um, I love you guys so much. Um, thank you. That's my big sis, uh, my small sis. Um, but I love you so much. Uh, love you all. Um, I see friends. I have some friends that I grew up with, elementary school, high school. Um, love you guys. Um, and just so many faces that are here. Uh, I appreciate you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Philip Muella, and I am the lead pastor of Inspired Church. Um, if this is your first time here and someone told you to meet you at the Crown Plaza, you probably looked a little awkward, like what's going to go on? Um, but, you know, uh, Monday through Saturday, it's the Crown Plaza, but on Sunday, we call it the House of the Lord. Amen? And so we gather to worship our resurrected King together. I'm super excited. If it is your first time with us, we just want to invite you uh, to text RISEN to the number that you see on the screen. As Pastor Roger already told you, we have a special treat we want to give to every one of you after the service risen, head out, take a photo for the gram, grab a treat. Uh, but also we want you to know if you text risen, everyone who texts risen is going to be put into um, a getaway, giveaway, a getaway, <laughs> giveaway. All right. <laughs> Make sure we edit that out. <laughs> you said uh, everyone's texting you all of a sudden, right? You weren't going to do it before. Now you're ready. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we do have, a, and what we decided to do, and it might be a little awkward or doing a giveaway at church. That's weird. Uh, but we have um, decided to connect with some of our favorite local uh, restaurants and cafes in Union City. And uh, we just want to say thank you for coming. And we just as an invitation, we hope you would come back. Um, and so uh, we hope that's incentive enough uh, for you to connect with us. And while we're on that word connect, I'm going to get into this sermon. But I just got to share something that God's been put heavy on my heart. I've been praying all week. And uh, there are several different prayers that I've been praying. But as I was walking up here, I just felt like I had to tell you this. I have been praying. Um, that word connection has really just been heavy on my heart. And this entire week, I want you to know that I have, I've been praying that Inspired Church would become a home for the orphan, a home for the spiritually homeless. a home Maybe for those who have once were connected but feel disconnected, that there would be a reconnection, and not just to the church, but to Christ and then the church. And so if you're here today feeling disconnected, uh, feeling spiritually like you need a home, I'm praying that you would reconnect to Christ and Inspire Church is here to help you along the way. Amen? Amen. On one occasion... French philosopher Immanuel Kant met with Tar Thomas Carlyle, and this is what he told Thomas. Um, he told Thomas that he wanted to start a new religion, that if he could start a new religion, he would love to start a new religion that would sweep Christianity away. He couldn't stand Christianity. And Carlyle replied, well, splendid. 
All you need to do is speak as never a man spoke, live as never a man lived, get crucified, rise on the third day, and get the world to believe that you are still alive. And then your religion will have some chance at success. I want you to know Christianity stands alone in this. Christianity stands alone in this, that it is founded on the historical claim that Jesus Christ of Nazareth has raised from the dead. Can I say that again? Christianity stands alone on this, that it is founded on the historical claim that Jesus Christ has raised from the dead. And so I've entitled this Easter message, Stop Doubting. And believe. Stop doubting and believe. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to John chapter 20? And we're going to read verses 19 through 31 this morning. Stop doubting and believe. That's a word for somebody already. You came in here today. The moment I said that, you were like, that's me. Don't go to the bathroom. This one's for you. Amen. Stop doubting and believe. John chapter 20, 19 through 31. We'll have it for you on the screen. The scripture reads like this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Thomas was that guy. You know what I mean? Like, are you that person in the crew? Like something always happens and you're not there? That's Thomas. Judging by your laugh, you feel Thomas. Verse 25. So the other disciples told him. We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them that time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Oh, y'all like that one. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs 
in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need you. We need you. Holy Spirit, will you do what you do? Will you take the text and make it living and alive? Would you breathe it on every skeptic in this room? Would you breathe on every doubter in this room? Would you believe on every single person in this room so that when they leave this place, they can say, I received a word from the Lord on Easter Sunday. I heard from him. And so I pray, God, that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do with the text. I'm going to divide it into three sections this morning. And if you just want to know where we're going, I'll kind of give you a heads up. What I want to divide the three sections of this text into is basically this. The resurrected Christ, number one, speaks peace to chaos. Number two, produces faith from doubt. And finally, something has been blessing my spirit all week. The resurrected Christ finds beauty in scars. The resurrected Christ, no other God, no other religion can speak peace to your chaos can produce faith from your doubts and can find beauty in your scars. Only King Jesus. And so how does he speak peace to your chaos? Following Jesus' death and burial, the scriptures record no less than 10 appearances of the resurrected Christ. And here in chapter 20, John records three of those appearances in his gospel accounts. But let me set the scene for you. It was Easter evening and the disciples were huddling together in some kind of secret room. They were afraid, confused, and most likely trying to make sense of the day. You see, there was a tension. Should they stay in the city? You see, on one hand, they feared for their lives. Why would they fear for their lives? Because the beloved leader of their movement had just been charged with sedition and executed by the state. And as his closest confidants, they knew that they were next. And so the door was locked. And they were in a room probably with no windows. On the other hand, should they stay? Now, you might be thinking, why on earth would they stay? Well, they were baffled by the reality of the empty tomb. You see, this was Easter evening. But if you remember, on Easter morning, the women arrived to the tomb first. Where are the ladies at? That's y'all. The wives are like, yep, I come to church first. Just kidding. Let's just Jesus. <laughs> but if you remember, the women arrive first and the tomb's empty. And they go run and they tell Peter and John. I love John. John's writing it and he's like, yeah, I beat Peter. <laughs> like he said, we ran. He's like, I beat Peter. That's kind of like what I would probably write. It's a little faster than Peter. And if you remember, what, what had happened, what was baffling them that morning, they went to the tomb and it was empty. The stone was rolled away. 
And you remember the grave clothes that were on him? They were neatly folded. And so they were perplexed. And not only did they see an empty grave and folded grave clothes, but then multiple reports of Jesus sightings <laughs> started to trickle in. What do I mean by that? You see, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew identifies more than a few women encountering the resurrected Christ that morning. Not just an empty tomb. Jesus came to them in person. John tells us that at first glance, Mary Magdalene thought Jesus was a groundskeeper. <laughs> While Luke records that there were two more eyewitnesses walking and talking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus later that day. Y'all see what's happening? They're afraid. Should we stay or should we leave? Confused, afraid, disoriented, and locked in a room. Let me say that again. Confused, afraid, disoriented, and locked in a room. It's at this moment and in that place that the resurrected Christ determined to suddenly appear. Confused, afraid, disoriented, locked in a room. It's at this moment in that place when Jesus said, okay, now I'm coming. Now I'm going to appear. And suddenly he appeared and he spoke the words, peace be with you. You see, I want you to know this morning, whenever the resurrected Christ enters into a chaotic space, he always brings peace. Come on, whenever the resurrected king enters into a chaotic situation, he always brings with him peace. He brings peace to chaos. He brings peace to confusion. He brings peace to fear and he brings peace to doubt. Are you with me? The one who has the authority to calm the storm and conquer death also has the authority to quiet racing minds and anxious hearts. He brings peace to chaotic situations. Now, if you're looking at me a little puzzled, it's probably because maybe you don't have access to this Savior. But I'm here to tell you he's here and he's free. Because if we're being honest, at best, our peace is fragile. At best. And if we're being really honest, it's fraudulent. It's fake. What do, you, what do I mean by that? You see, it's a peace that's easily disturbed when you're cut off on the freeway. Amen? Anybody got it? Yeah, that's the kind of fake peace you got. The moment you're cut off on the freeway, all peace is gone. And you're not given the peace sign. There's another sign. No, it's Easter Sunday. <laughs> For being honest, it's a circumstantial peace, isn't it? It's a peace that quickly vanishes the moment things don't go our way. As a result, it really is a false sense of security that leaves the moment the doctor says it could be cancer. Has anybody been there? Maybe you're there right now. Anxious. Worried. You can't stop your mind from thinking about worst case scenario. 
And that's the family members. But I'm here to remind you. When the resurrected Christ enters, he brings with him a peace that not even the fear of death can overcome. And I know this is easier said than done. Really easy to stand on a pulpit and just throw these words out there. But talk to a follower of Christ who has been through that. I'm always being a pastor and just being in life for several years. (laughs) I'm always amazed at the difference between a believer dying on their deathbed and an unbeliever. I've seen them both. Have you ever been in a room when a follower of Jesus is breathing their last breath? The worship songs, the music, the resurrected king. Yes, there's tears, but there's hope. Can I be honest? I'm afraid to die sometimes. And I think it's because I've had a privileged life. Because there might be some people in here, you haven't had a privilege of life. You're like, death might be a better thing than life. So I don't want to be insensitive to that. But for those of us who've had a privileged life, we fear death. But the only thing that could overcome that fear of death when it wants to creep in, especially, you know, I I can only speak speak to this from a male perspective. So I don't want to say it's just men. But even, you know, I notice some men as we get older. You know, we, and, and maybe this is true for, for young ladies as well, but, you know, there's a certain time in life where we think we're invincible. And all of a sudden, something happens to remind you that you're not. Maybe that's just me. Um, but what we have access to as, as followers of a resurrected king, that because he lives, I'll live. And because he raised, I'll raise. You see, only the Christian faith has access to such a unique peace. You may not be a Christian this morning, and you may leave still not a Christian. That's your prerogative. But I want you to know, only Christianity has a faith that has access to such a unique peace. What do I mean? You're not going to find it by popping another pill. You're not going to find it by smoking another blunt. You can try, but you're not going to find this kind of peace in your wine cellar or liquor cabinets. If you want a peace that is greater than death, you're going to need a savior that has conquered the grave. Do you hear me? If you want, it's up to you. You can decide. You can, you can look at all of us Christians and call us crazy. Fine. But if you want a peace... That is greater than death. You're going to need a savior that has conquered the grave. You've heard it said no justice, no peace. And there's some truth to that. But I'd like to say no Jesus, no peace. Even if the test comes back positive. The doctor's reports are negative. The diagnosis is grim. Because he lives, I live. 
And because he raised, I will raise too. So that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. And so to those who are here today searching, to those who came to the room today needing the word, let me tell you, genuine peace is only given by the resurrected king. To those here today searching for genuine peace, the resurrected Christ, are you ready, is inviting you to stop doubting and belief. Stop doubting and believe. You see, but our Savior doesn't just give us a hope beyond the grave, peace and chaos, but the resurrected Christ produces faith from doubt. And this is the point where all the doubters said, mm, right. I think we can all identify with Thomas. And not just the doubting, but he got left out. <laughs> I'd be a little frustrated. Can I, be, I, I can't go off topic. I got to stay on time, but I want to go off. If I was Thomas, I'd be like, really, God? <laughs> like, I know I haven't been perfect, but I've been with you. Like, I've been a day one. <laughs> the one day, like, where did you go? <laughs> where, where did you go? Maybe they ran out of wine. I don't know. Hey, man, you got to go out to the market. Get a little bread, a little wine. We'll run a little low. You're like, maybe he went to go run an errand. Maybe he needed the process alone. Maybe he had just lost Jesus, the greatest person that had ever been in his life. And maybe he just needed to take a walk. Any people just need, you need a process. I think we can all identify with Thomas. The text doesn't really say where he went. All we know is that while the rest of the crew (laughs) got to see the resurrected Christ, my guy Thomas was only gone for a few hours And he missed one of the most important and extraordinary moments in human history. Like, really, Jesus? (laughs) And it's kind of weird saying that because Jesus probably, really? Like, I just got crucified. Like, you really going to do that? But just, you know what I'm saying. You know how we are. You know how we be. Maybe this is why. Maybe this is why when the disciples told Thomas, he called Cap. Y'all like that? Did that fit? Where's Ezra? Did that fit? Let me know. Let me know. Thomas called Cap, though. I think that's right. Uh, Maybe, for those of you who don't know what that means, but Cap, the hat on, maybe that's why Thomas responded to their joyous certainty with ardent doubt. Unless I see him, unless I touch him, I will never believe. And can I say this? Every Easter, our inner Thomas gets to come out a little bit. Our inner Thomas gets to make an appearance. I want you to think about it. In some ways, what Thomas went through is what you're going through right now. You weren't there. You didn't see Jesus. You didn't get to touch his hands and side. Yet here you are, 2,000 years later, 
being asked to trust in the testimony of eyewitnesses. Y'all see how you're Thomas. You went there. You didn't see Jesus. You didn't get to touch him. And yet here you are 2,000 plus years later. And this crazy preacher is asking you to believe in the testimony of eyewitnesses. You're more Thomas than you think you are. And you know, that's what the gospels are. Let me take you to school a little bit. There are eyewitness accounts. Do you know that? And though many have tried to dismiss the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as legend or fairy tales, did you know that the majority of scholarship on all sides, Christian and non-Christian, agree that the gospels were written as historical eyewitness accounts of the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and did you know that the majority of scholarship agrees that Jesus of Nazareth lived died and though they may argue how the majority of scholarship believes that the tomb was empty there's no dispute and no debate they may debate what happened and how it happened but Jesus lived, Jesus died, and the tomb was empty. Now, I thought today we could enter into a kind of Easter examination, okay? So here's what we want to do, and I'll, you know, especially you churchy people, okay? <laughs> you know who you churchy people are, right? Instead of judging Thomas for his doubt... Maybe you should take inventory of yours. Can we do that? Like instead of judging Thomas or his doubt, but can we take a moment to take inventory of our own? Can we be honest or no? Okay, yeah, I know we can't be honest in church. We got to pretend like it's all good. Jesus loves us. How are you responding to Easter? How are you wrestling with the eyewitness accounts? Take inventory of your doubt today. Be honest with yourself. When it comes to the eyewitness testimonies of the resurrected Christ, where do you stand? Where do you stand? And I'm going to make an attempt, and this is definitely not going to be exhaustive because there's somebody going to be here like, well, you didn't get me. But I'm going to make an attempt to give you the different kinds of doubts that I think are in this room right now. I think. And if that's you, just raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We'll just send, you know, Mom and Patty out there. We'll pray for you and <laughs> doubt's gone. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to attempt, okay? And so just try to find yourself. Maybe you're a little hybrid, you know? Who knows? So number one, a, a, a kind of doubt that might be in the room right now. Doubt on account of ignorance. Now, I want to be really sensitive with that word. <laughs> it's a strong word. So I want to make sure I say this sensitively. Not everybody was raised in church. Like some of you guys weren't raised in church like me, 25-8, not 24-7. You'll get that. You'll get that. Um, not everybody was raised in a religious household, right? M maybe you grew up in an entirely different religion. And, here, and here's, here's how I'm kind of labeling this kind of what I would call ignorance is you just don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. But there's another kind of ignorance as well in this room, I think. Or maybe it's not that you don't know. It's that you just don't want to know. <laughs> ignorance is bliss, isn't it? Right? You're apprehensive about going too deep because you're afraid of what you might find. In fact, there are probably many Christians in this room that say they believe, but what they really have is suppressed doubt. I'm talking to you, youth group Christians. A whole movement of Christians that are deconstructing their faith. Right? Sunday school and youth group. They learned all these weird things. They got a little bit older, and now they say, well, wait, 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 wait. A talking snake? Where are we going with this? Y'all with me? And all of a sudden now, your mama and your daddy's faith is not your own. Or maybe there's some adults that you just don't want to go that deep, and so you just, I just don't, no, no, no doubt. Like, I just kind of, if I don't think about it, it's not there. Y'all with me? How about this kind of doubt? We move from ignorance to avoidance. A doubt on account of avoidance. Can, can, can we be honest? Okay, I'm just going to do it anyway. But I just thought I'd ask the question. For some, it's really a matter of intellectual laziness. Y'all know what that is, right? Like... Who really has the time to investigate anyways? I ain't going to investigate nothing. Are you with me? Like, it's just, it's just intellectual laziness. And we, we succumb to that, especially now with all of our devices. Like, we're mindless scrollers. Everything at the touch of a button. And if it doesn't take time, it's not worth it. I got to move on. You're impatient. You're frustrated, right? Maybe it's your kids. And yet, it's really ironic because what I would call intellectual laziness, this kind of doubt does not completely discourage investigating truth. It just reduces that investigation to sound bites, clickbait, and TikTok. Because those of y'all who are doubting the resurrection, you believe some wild stuff on TikTok. Yeah, I didn't think no one's gonna clap, right? Hey, have you, I guess I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Just don't send me any, like during this whole pandemic, you know what I mean? Like when we were a lot of people were, Pastor, you got to see this. And I'm like, no, I got in trouble. I, I, I just, I, there was a few people I said, hey, don't send me that stuff anymore, okay? And they just got really angry at me. I just, I don't want to, all right, I got to get back on, I got time. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? Like your intellectual laziness is just reduced to your scrolling. And so either way, you're eating information, you believe something. Okay, moving on, moving on. There's another kind of avoidance. We want to move from like, well, here, I want to say something else. This is important. G.K. Chesterton. Great name, right? Old theologians always had the greatest names. Good old Chesterton. He says this. The problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting, but that it has been found difficult and left untried. 
tragic, isn't it? But for others, can I, dis- can I explain another kind of avoidance? Are y'all ready for this one? Seatbelts on, for those of you who know what that even means. For others, it's a matter of moral responsibility. Have I found you yet? So, so, so why do you avoid? Because if Jesus was raised from the dead, y'all hear me? If he is who he claimed to be, like if this story is true, then I'll owe him everything. Then, then nothing less than lordship will do. And I am not ready to give up control of my life. I want to sleep with who I want to sleep with. I want to live how I want to live. I want to be who I want to be. I want to spend my money, spend my time, and spend my life my way. In some ways, I admire you because at least you're honest. But I think you're completely off. You see, at least you know that giving your life to Jesus will cost you everything. Because we got a lot of Christians who think they're believers, but they ain't willing to sacrifice anything. At least you know what it costs you to follow the king who died on Friday. Because you can't have a resurrection without a death. Y'all don't hear me though. But my friend, you have severely miscalculated. We move from avoidance to another category of doubt that I'm just calling resistance. Some of you are like, wait a minute, doesn't all that mean the same? Yeah, we'll work it out later. When you think of resistance, I want you to think of a wall built up to keep things out. Amen? And, and, and there are two different kinds of resistance that I would like to highlight. There's, there's an intellectual and kind of resistance that we're just going to call, maybe you're just a modern skeptic, right? You went to junior college a couple years and your professor in philosophy was like, I got a couple of questions I bet your Sunday school teacher can't answer. And you walked out of there thinking, my goodness, what a scholar. Jeez. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Your kid came home, flappy ears. Hey mom. Sorry. That's me, by the way. I'm just describing myself. (laughs) Stay on task, Pastor Phil. No offense to any junior college professors who are in the building. Thank you so much for championing our kids and for being willing to take less to do it. Thank you. And so if you're in this building, we love you. We want you back. We need more professors who love Jesus. Okay, just moving on. Yeah, man, that's not good. Maybe you're an Enneagram 6. I don't know. Right? Or, or a Richard Dawkins naturalist. Right? Your worldview makes no room for miracles. Right? No possibility for life after death. There's no scientific. Give me data. I want data. No scientific data. No empirical evidence. There's no way it actually happened. Y'all with me? Or maybe your resistance is less intellectual and more emotional. Maybe you're not a skeptic. Maybe you're cynical. What do I mean by that? 
the things that you have experienced in this life has hardened your heart. Let me just name a few. Maybe you've, you've experienced some unimaginable evil. Maybe you had a mother or a father that was not good to you or to those you loved. Maybe you were in the foster system and you experienced evil and pain. And your heart has been hardened because you've seen it. You're not a church kid. You're a kid that was brought up in the street. Are you with me? Maybe you've seen evil up close and you determine there can't be a God. Or maybe unanswered prayer. I know we have a lot of those in here today. I know for a fact we have a lot of those in here today. Maybe you asked God to heal someone that you loved. And they passed away. I think my heart goes out to these individuals because there is a hope that was snuffed out. Maybe you pleaded with God to save your marriage and your heart's been broken and your kids' hearts have been broken. Maybe there was a time when you desperately needed God to come through for you and you felt like he let you down. Are you with me? Maybe you have been the victim of spiritual abuse. We did a whole sermon on this a few weeks ago. Maybe you trusted the church and they let you down. Maybe you were bamboozled by someone pretending to be a pastor, preaching the word incorrectly, and they told you that if you give this money, this much money, you'll get this. And when you gave and gave and you didn't get, you said that the church is fraudulent. All they want is money. Maybe you were disillusioned with all of the TV pastors and ministries. Y'all remember those? And all of a sudden, scandal after scandal. You felt like you were being robbed by people who said that they were from God. Am I by myself here? Come on, (laughs) y'all. Or maybe someone gossiped. Maybe the priest molested you or the youth pastor raped you. Like, can we be honest? Let's, let's not act like that's not happening. In fact, I, if that's you, I just want to the fact that you even stepped into a church this morning shows more courage than most people in this room. Like, church is triggering because there was a moment in time where you thought it would be a safe place. And that safety has been robbed from you. And just to make it this morning, all hell wanted to stop you. Are you with me? I know, I, I know some people don't get that. Today, I want to encourage you to examine your doubts. As we have the music team get ready, where do you, where do you stand? Did you find, were you able to find yourself? Now, I'm, going to, I'm not going to answer all these questions, but I'm going to just rapid fire, just give you some thoughts. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? To those who just don't know, amen? To those who just don't know, Jesus invites you into a journey of discovery. Just listen to the compassionate call of Jesus. 
And you know what? You don't have to do this alone. This is why Inspired Churches exists. Like if you're looking to go on a gentle, gentle discovery of Christ Jesus, you do not have to do it alone. In fact, don't do it alone. Do it with family. Do it with the people of God. You're invited to connect. The orphans can find a home. The disconnected can be connected to the body to navigate this together. Are you with me? If you just don't know, Jesus invites you to take a journey. To those of you who don't want to know, and to those that maybe suppress the truth, I have a word from you. Consider these words. Tim Keller says this, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. Y'all hear me? People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about what they believe will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of smart skeptics. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if they have failed over the years to listen patiently to their own doubts. Christians, listen to your doubts. Wrestle with your doubts. Bring your doubts into the light. Work your doubts out. We all have doubts. I'm a pastor and I doubt. To those who are a little intellectually complacent or you're intimidated by the moral responsibility I just want to ask you does eternity matter right you're, you're a little maybe intellectually lazy or maybe you're just does eternity matter to you like if you put a scale and you weighed out right now in eternity like which one is weighing heaviest for you let me ask you this is the possibility of life after death worth it and if not for you what about your children what about your kids maybe you're okay with just not knowing maybe you have become accustomed to the chaos and fear but maybe you're worried about your kids because there's not an anchor and they have questions and they are seeing things and hearing things and they're getting older I love walking down those halls right now. Your kids are not being babysat right now. They're hearing about the resurrected king. What hope do they have? Listen, in light of eternity, what you give up now is nothing compared to what you gain in Christ Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, I can't afford to trust Jesus. And I would say, no, 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 no. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. To those who are emotionally resistant, my heart goes out to you because it's not a lack of evidence that is stopping you from believing, but it's a deep disillusionment and disappointment with God. My prayer for you is that what the devil meant to destroy you, God will turn it around for his glory. He's so much better than you think. He's not the church. He's so much better than you think. Finally, to the skeptic who is intellectually resistant, I want you to know that the Christian faith is not a blind faith. It's not a dumb faith. That might be what you think. But I want you to know that the Christian faith is based on real historical evidence. And believing on the evidence of what others have witnessed is what you do all the time. 
Do you know that? Do you know that you are constantly believing in eyewitness accounts? Now, I don't got time to list it all, but let me just give you really quickly, whether it's in history class, you are believing what you haven't seen. Whether it's a courtroom testimony, we are believing what we're not seeing. And whether it's the eyewitness news, and I know some of y'all love to watch your news. Come on, y'all. The Christian faith rests on actual historical events. To every kind of doubter listening today, the resurrected Christ invites you to stop doubting and believe. I love this. Notice our compassionate Savior. He doesn't rebuke, belittle, or embarrass Thomas. <laughs> I love that. Right? Right? Your Christian grandparents may do that to you. <laughs> but notice our compassionate Savior does not rebuke, does not belittle, or embarrass Thomas. Y'all hear me? Y'all see this? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. What does he do? He, he, nor does he leave Thomas in his doubts. Sorry, bro. But he reveals himself to Thomas. And you know what he does? He shows him his scars. My final point today is this. The resurrected Christ finds beauty in scars. Y'all feel that? That's been hitting me hard. The resurrected Christ finds beauty in scars. We don't like scars. We, we don't like scars. They're ugly and grotesque. We, we don't like scars. They're proof that we've been hurt. We don't like scars. They're visible signs of shame. We don't like scars, so we hide them as best as we can. We cover them up as best as we can because in a culture of vain beauty, any bump, any bruise, any blemish needs to be covered. Wow. Oh, we don't like scars. And yet here Christ is revealing his scars. Now, if you're a Bible nerd like me, this ought to blow your mind. Why? Because Christ appears to Thomas in his resurrected body. What does that mean? You see, the old body that once had been vulnerable to pain and death had now been glorified and made new. This was his new body, y'all. This was his resurrected body. It didn't feel pain. The old body that was vulnerable was no longer vulnerable. In fact, the doors were locked. How did he even get in there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The old body that had once been vulnerable to pain and death had now been glorified and made new. And Jesus still retained his scars. <sighs> you see, he retains his scars as a testimony of his faithfulness. He retains his scars as a testimony of his forgiveness. He retains his scars as a testimony of his mercy and grace. He retains his scars not just to prove that he's alive, but to prove that he loves you. He retains his scars. Am I the only one or does anyone else in here got scars? Do you have scars? We got scars, y'all. We got scars from surgery. We got scars from a fall. We got scars that were our fault and scars that other put there. But when you put your faith in the resurrected Christ, those scars, 
that once brought you pain now become testimonies of God's grace. Those scars that once brought you shame now become testimony of God's goodness. Ask anyone who really follows Jesus and they will tell you that every hurt, trial, bruise, bump, and scar of their past, looking back, they realize the love of God was using them to draw them near. And what Satan meant for evil, God turned it around for his glory. Listen this morning, only the Christian worldview, not Buddha, not Confucius, not Islam, all respect to other religions, but only the religion founded on the resurrected Christ. Only the religion that is founded on the historical evidence of eyewitnesses of the resurrected king. Only that religion, not the universe. Come on, where are the universe people at? I'm kidding. Only that religion. Boasts a resurrected Christ who can speak peace to chaos. Come on. Who can produce faith from doubts and who can see beauty in scars. As the team makes their way up here, it's in that moment that Thomas Good old Thomas. Hopefully you never look at Thomas the same. Poor guy gets a bad rap, huh? Doubting Thomas. It's in that moment when Thomas experiences the resurrected Christ that Thomas makes the supreme confession. You know what supreme means? Supreme means above all. This is noted as the greatest confession in all of the New Testament. Do you know that? You know Thomas makes the supreme confession. You might be asking, what is the supreme confession? You know what Thomas says? As he experiences the resurrected king, he says this, my Lord and my God. This isn't just a man. This isn't just a good prophet. This isn't just a really good teacher. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Stop doubting and believe. And here's what we're going to do. You're doing great. We're almost finished. We'll get you to your Easter activities. We're going to take a moment to sing to Jesus. If you're a singer, sing. If you're a jumper, jump. But if you want to do any of those things, you're totally okay. We're going to sing, and then I'm going to come back up, and I want to pray with those in this room who feel like Jesus is calling you to stop doubting and believe. So we're going to sing, and then I'm going to make my way up after this song, and I want to pray for all of you in this room who feel the call of Jesus right now to stop doubting and believe. Just my heart, just I keep 
see my heart just I keep hearing just come home come home come home I know that's a word for somebody come home I don't know come home come to the cross come to Jesus he is home come home and if you're in this room today and you came to church and and you heard this message and maybe you thought it was inspirational but I want you to know that we believe that the scriptures whenever they're preached they go beyond human emotion I know it's emotional and feels inspirational but we actually believe the Holy Spirit is here and that though I can yell or I can speak quietly and we can have nice music that it's the Spirit of God that does the actual change it's the Spirit of God that's working in some of you right now that's this internal space and so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus or you feel far from God maybe you feel disconnected no one's asking you to jump on the hype train in fact I want to speak to the realist and the skeptic in the room you're honest you're real we're not asking you to become a holy roller we're asking you to examine the historic evidence the eyewitness testimony accounts of an empty tomb that presents with you an opportunity for life after the grave that gives you an opportunity to have peace and chaos gives you an opportunity to look at your past pain and see purpose beauty and scars and you might be here asking how, how can I make this Jesus my Savior? What, what must I do to be saved? I have good news. You don't have to do. This isn't something that you work for or you earn or you have to be a better person. Now when you leave this place, you got to follow all these lists of rules. That is not the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what the good news is. The good news is that Christ has come. The bad news is, is that you and I are sinners. Now, can I be honest? That's not really offensive. I think all of us in here can look in the mirror and say, yeah, I make mistakes. I know I'm a failure. Like, I don't think it's too hard for all of us in this room to say, you know what? I am a sinner. And so we start with the bad news, just accepting in humility, you're not perfect. But the good news is that Jesus, God in the flesh, God put on flesh, and then he walked this earth for 33 and a half years and we believe that for 33 and a half years he never sinned we believe that for 33 and a half years he was perfect the only perfect person to ever walk the earth and then what happened on good friday was he was crucified can you believe that an innocent man killed but he was more than just a man he was the god man and we believe that when they crucified him though it looked like he was defeated that was his plan all along because the scripture reveals to us that on the cross he took your sin upon himself he took your failures upon himself he took your anger issues upon himself he took your alcoholism upon himself he took your lying your stealing your thieving he put it all on him and so when he was on the cross he was experienced the wrath of God that you and I deserve so that anybody who would just believe not do but believe you know you don't do nothing for good news you just receive it that's what good news is you, you don't have to do nothing. you just someone tells you and you and you grab it 
you receive it so that if you would just believe that this story is true not only would your sin be crucified in Christ but then you would get from Christ his perfect record of righteousness now that's a hard thing to believe it's hard to believe though you're a sinner when God looks down he sees perfection but that's because Christ has given you his perfection how can I access that and how can I get closer to God because there's a wedge between us it's Jesus it's trusting and believing and so if you put your faith in Christ today not only will you be saved not only will your sins be crucified on the cross, not only will you gain the perfect record of righteousness, but then God will declare not guilty. And God will say, enter into my rest and you will have hope beyond the grave and you will live eternally with him. And so this morning, if that's you, I just want to pray. You don't have to jump high or spin around or sing a song. You just have to say yes in your heart. I believe. I believe and the Holy Spirit will come to dwell in you and he'll begin to do the word don't worry about what needs to happen he'll do the sincere work in your heart just believe stop doubting and believe and here's a beautiful thing you don't have to do it alone you don't have to do it alone. so Heavenly Father I just pray in this room there's nothing more that I can say. There's nothing more that I can do. In fact, this is not something that man can do. Only you can change the heart. And so Holy Spirit, we're just trusting that you're doing a work in this space. We're trusting that you're calling people home. You're calling orphans to the Father. You're calling aliens and strangers to become citizens and friends. You're calling people who are far from you to be close through the precious life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and if we want hope beyond the grave God I pray that we would believe yes God I believe this story to be true with my heart and my mind though I may doubt though I may struggle God I believe and receive the gospel I pray Lord that people will be able to walk out of here and say it was Easter Sunday Easter Sunday 2023 that I gave my I didn't look back I gave my heart to Jesus I said yes to this beautiful Savior and so father we just love you we praise you we rejoice because our names are written in heaven we believe that you're gonna one day come back and make all things new and we will reign with you forever in paradise God so our Holy Spirit, have your way as we leave this place. We love you. We honor you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and Mercy Ministries. Visit us at inspirechurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.